0: Broadcasting live. Weekday morning, this is listener-supported One Radio Network.
1: Well, as live as I can get anyway. We had a little uh, uh, hiccup getting Matthew on this morning, but he's ready to go, and he actually has a cup of coffee, so no telling. We could get into a lot of trouble if he's got some got a cup of joe there. Good morning. It's uh, a little bit after 10 o'clock. Uh, Patrick Timpone, One Radio Network. Uh, it's in the mail, our 800 line, which is uh, one month in the... In the making of not being up, because of our ice storm, we had two inches of, of global warming ice uh, about a month ago, and it's, it severed the line that came into our 800 lines. But, you know, they're working on it. What can I say? Well, so the way to participate would be Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com as we're live here on the 18th of April. Tomorrow, Adam Bergstrom, 2.0. We're going to start early, with Adam at nine o'clock because we had a chance to slip in uh, one of our fave guys, Martin Armstrong, Armstrong Economics, and he was only available at uh, uh, eleven o'clock tomorrow. And we so we're going to change some things around, but that's tomorrow. Let's not worry about it. Matthew Aird is here. He's a senior fellow at the American University in Moscow. I asked him about uh, when's the last time he's been to Moscow, and he said never. So I don't know how he does that. We'll find out. He's founder of Canadian Patriot Review, Rising Tide Foundation, an author of Untold History of Canada series. He's been on quite a few times before. He's really fun. He's, he's what you would call an intellectual, where you could actually go to a bar and have a glass of wine or a cup of coffee and talk about things that matter. Matthew, uh, <laughs> good, good morning. Do you like talking about things that matter? <laughs> Do you like talking about things that matter? Yeah,
2: talking about things that matter is very close to my heart, and always best with uh, with wine or beer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a I I was enjoyed talking to you, Patrick. You're you're one of the funnest hosts that I ever I have ever interacted with. Oh, well, so I'm looking forward to this. as all well,
1: it's it's my appreciate. So so when you get up in the morning and and uh, you and your lovely talk about your day, I mean, what kind of things are you thinking about lately? And you, as you look out in the world, what what kind of says, man, I got to look into that. And, I mean, what are you thinking about these days?
2: Well, there's... there's I, I try to stay... Um, I try to keep my my feet in as many uh, ponds as possible, and I try to grow as many feet as I can uh, <laughs> at the same time. So, I, you know, we're always looking for... We're integrationalists, right? So we're trying to integrate many diverse uh, moving parts into a whole, into a oneness as much as possible. So um mm. I don't know if we necessarily start our day with that before coffee no, I uh, but usually it doesn't take too long for some for, for some good heated conversation about uh, about things that matter to kick in um obviously the the things that are pressing in my mind are always trying to keep my 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 thoughts as tuned as much as possible to the uh, the geopolitical battlefronts right now around the the massive de-dollarization, mm-hmm. the the thing that's been sort of bubbling and preparing itself under the surface for the past, I would say, at least twenty years, as far as a uh, an alternative security financial architecture premised around what we're seeing pr- being brought online right now around the Belt and Road Initiative, around the BRICS Plus. Um, which there's a fight over what that's going to be. It's not. It's not clear cut exactly. Um, but definitely the the meltdown of the banking system mm-hmm. and the, the and everything that is that is part of this so called stable social order, which is contingent upon having banks that don't melt down in a chain reaction of chaos and a, and a food supply and, and everything that doesn't break down. So that's that's something I'm thinking about a lot as I think you and your, your audience is probably yeah. uh, moving, thinking about that quite a bit too. Well, you know, that term um,
1: that term de-dollarization, boy, that meme is flying around out there. And I wonder if we take the conjecture, which I do, and I could be wrong, you tell me that the dollar boys pretty much control all the media. You think that's fair? I mean, uh, if they... All of the mainstream media. Yeah, all the mainstream, pretty much. Everything, right? Yeah,
2: I mean, like... There was something called Project Mockingbird during the Cold War, which became publicly known during the church committee hearings in 1975 that revealed for the first time to the mass population, at least, that uh, the CIA had bought and paid for pretty much every single editor, news anchor, newsman, major writer for every mainstream press and uh, televised media influential outlet throughout the entire Cold War. Um, hmm. With almost no, ex- maybe a couple of exceptions, but very few, um, and then people think, "Oh, yeah, that 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 became public, and then it just then they became good, and then they stopped doing that." And it's like, "No, <laughs> no, that <laughs> didn't stop. That probably, probably anything, just like MK Ultra. Yeah. It just was normalized, <laughs> you know. And uh, that's that's been the case for the past forty years now, plus years. Is you know. word so, yeah, the,
1: word around the word around the campfire that Walter Cronkite was." it took some bucks from the cia to be gentle in the vietnam reporting back when i was a kid do you think that's true
2: uh yeah he was i i've seen some some citations and and uh, mm-hmm. remarks from walter cronkite indicating that he was a pretty uh deep globalist who was ideologically committed to servicing the interests of a post nation state uh, agenda um he, he really believed it in his heart of hearts. Yep. I don't know what kind of weird shit he experienced in his personal <laughs> life that brought him into that conclusion, but that was his mission and commitment yeah. on, a, on a deep level. Yeah. Does yeah. that mean he was necessarily evil? No, he might have been given a, a fluffy romantic image of it. Yeah, um, sure. But no, yeah, he was He was part
1: of it. So, so back to the, the media, and if in fact these guys control almost all of it except for a few places like mine and Joe Rogan, maybe they would control him, I don't know. Um why would they be running with this de dollarization meme, which is everywhere? They've got to be they got to be allowing it or in on it, right, Matthew? Otherwise it wouldn't be there. Is that
2: Yeah, yeah. Well I think they're trying to sort of there's there's always a fight to control the narrative uh-huh. and give it spin. Um so I, I think that, you know, you've got an I wrote an article back in uh, J- January of 2020 called "Why the Coronavirus Will Have Nothing to Do with the Collapse of the Banking System." Really? Um,
1: in 2020, yeah,
2: yeah, and and it was like right when the word coronavirus became sort of publicized, and you know, you could sort of see that that this was the plan was to sort of move us towards. May- no, this is this is actually end of February. I wrote that. Sorry, and the idea was to you know just do these crazy lockdown justifications. And I was like, okay, maybe they're going to like double down on this thing. But anybody looking at the, the, the basic variables of what's, what, what, where is the chewing gum holding together this, this sick decaying monstrosity of a, of a Western system of the transatlantic, (laughs) anybody could just pay attention, could notice way before coronavirus years decades even before coronavirus that this thing was going to be set up to collapse it had the it it like had detonation self-destruct mechanisms built into the very thing itself with derivatives the way they're wired Mm. the way that you know the the debt-based system that emerged especially after the 70s early 70s became the justifier for the growth of the monetary monetary system and how speculation which just created bubbles of 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 you know of uh fictitious capital without any creation of real world goods that there's a, a an upper limit just like there is when you blow a bubble gum and you just see how how far can i make that sphere of bubble go and you know you can make it go maybe further than others if you're really good at blowing up hub, like hubba bubba bubble gums and you you've got a lot of practice but no matter what no matter how good you are it'll at some point blow up in your face and it's like that for every physical system if you don't produce real capital you don't if you don't um have a physical economy that sustains and justifies the growth of the monetary units, it'll blow up and it'll by, either by accident or by design, whatever. And so you know now it, the natural consequence of 50 years of doing this to ourselves is ripping apart our economy. And so the question is well, what is the nature of that of that going to look like? and who will shape the the terms and conditions of what will replace that that dying system? Um and right now there's like a battle over multi multi uh what's called multipolarity, right? Mm-hmm. So you have like obviously you listen to um certain figures in Eurasia and they speak a lot about multipolarism as opposed to unipolarism within which just means many centers of command versus one center of command shaping policy economic or political or security. Now, George Soros or Klaus Schwab also speak of multipolarity. They say they use the same words. Right. And this has been the fight for the past 80 years is you've got um, two different concepts of how to transition towards world government, stripping nation states of their power to do things. Will it be via regionalization like we see with the European Union, which was or the euro, which was a destruction of the sovereign powers of the individual members of the European Union? You know, monetary system, mm-hmm. which which abrogate their rights to define their own destiny in in favor of a bureaucratic unelected elite, or the, you know, the Armaro, the the North American Union that they were trying to bring online, and they still are in a certain serious way, but a different way. Um, NAFTA was a big part of making that happen back in the early nineties. Um, that's also a, a destruction of national sovereignty in favor of a corporate technocratic elite above nations, telling you what you're not allowed to do. No protectionism, no national banking—that's all bad. You know, pay your debts, keep within three percent of uh, of GDP debts. Um, these arbitrary mathematical rules that have no bearing on reality. So there's that, and that, thats one idea of multipolarity or regionalization, right? So it'd be um, a region like the euro, and going the, back to the, and the United
1: States, Canada, uh, Mexico, and have little clumps of things, and then and then the other one, you're yeah, saying like it that is like
2: the Commonwealth. Yeah. Yeah, and the Commonwealth would be sort of, according to Count uh, Kudenhova kalergi who played a key role in, I believe it was Article 54 or 56 of the UN Charter, which slipped in this uh, permissibility for regional blocks to form. Um, Count Kudenhova kalergi had uh, laid out, and he's the 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 godfather of the um, pan-Europeanism, pan-Europa, you know, th- this idea of basically getting... Creating a stepping stone towards global government and the restoration of the feudal, monarchical, oligarchic systems of uh, of the medieval times. That was his his agenda. He was part of one of the the higher oligarchical inbred classes. Although his father ended up having sex with a, a Japanese woman, so he was half half uh, half European, half Japanese. But he still had the the heart and soul of an oligarch. Both sides of the family went back thousands of years in the oligarchical agenda, um, and he worked with you know. Um, he Schacht, who was part of his pen Europa, Hitler's finance minister. You had the leading Walter Lippmann, major U S social engineer, working with the Rhodes scholars, bringing in the fifth columnist in, in the United States. Um, he, he was working with the worst of the worst, uh, fascists anyway. And, and a lot of the, the leading Nazis and, and Italian fascists were all working with pen Europa. Um, so yeah, basically he brought in this, this clause, um, when, after Roosevelt dies in the UN you know, the UN assembly meets for the first time to set up the charter. So Roosevelt's been dead for two weeks. It would have been a very different thing if Roosevelt had not been killed, but he was. So anyway, you had people like Alan Dulles, Kudenhova Kalergi running amok, uh, basically infusing as many loopholes and Trojan horses into the agenda. And so their idea was, okay, let's, let's, People won't just accept immediately jumping to world government. So we have to trick them into these regional super Hmm. units of which he saw like something like maybe six or seven that would uh, be all governed by the exact same ideological death cult like that. He was a part of that would then use the controls of Asia, of Russia, of South America, of Africa to then. Well, I think Africa wasn't even allowed to have a a seat at the table. They were going to be under the control of uh, of European corporations anyway um because that's a slave colony right you can't let them even have a, a say in the <laughs> at the table of the new world order so anyway um that was one uh aspect of it and they wanted to use the european union model um for like a united states of europe um everywhere and then and then use that to then integrate for a full full-grown world government now that was moving along pretty well up until around 1990 1998 1999 so things were sort of moving ahead you know they had, they had George Soros had done a great job with the CIA in the 80s taking control of China you know George Soros even had his own his own guy Zhao Ziyang, is as, wow. as the chairman of the Chinese Communist Party formerly premier who brought in Milton Friedman trained millions of young Chinese uh students in Harvard with Soros scholarships and you know it was it was like a field, it kind of like what what the CIA and Soros were doing in in Russia in the 90s under Yeltsin. That's what they had in China in the, in the 80s. Same thing. Is that right? Wow, um, wow.
1: interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: They 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 owned it. They owned it. They thought they won the. They they thought they won China completely, and they almost did. You know, like you again, Zhao Jiang was was an ideologue, um, a devotee of transhumanism. He gave speeches in 1994 on the fourth industrial revolution. 1984 wow. in the fourth in Beijing on the need for for China to be integrated into the fourth industrial revolution the idea for that model was like kissinger who was a you know the guy who mentored klaus schwab uh, at harvard that was henry kissinger he was a big guy who who planned out this you this this new model where china was going to do the slave labor production for cheap goods that would then be fed over to the western markets where we would then just be consumers without without producing anything so we would become a new a useless class of eaters eating and living a high standard of life, while the Chinese lived a low standard of life, and would just be the produ- the dirty producers who would stay too poor to actually consume the things that they produced, except for a small billionaire class like what they did in Russia. Right? They created these nouveau riche um, sociopathic Darwinists who would then be loyal to I- the IMF, to Washington, to London, and they would they would be like the slave ma- the the house slaves that would manage the wow. locals like they did in india right that's how the the british kept control yeah. of india yeah. is they only had 10,000 british troops physically in india controlling 400 million indian people so how did those 10,000 troops do it well they 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 encouraged a sort of a uh, caste structure whereby the indian elite who were always themselves the house slaves controlled self-controlled their their own hierarchies from within and uh, they kept that that the whips the whips going all the way down the chain of, of the lower castes. So they did the same thing to to China. So how they
1: how they um, lose the China thing once they get in? How long did they have them under their wings, so to speak? CIA Soros guys. You it said, wasn't
2: too long, no. um, but their maximum I would say their maximum grip was around 84 to eighty four to 88, uh-huh. 80, yeah thereabouts.
1: And then what happened?
2: And uh, well there the, the, those those members of the chinese um patriotic intelligentsia who who recognized that they were uh sacrificing their 5000 years of, of traditions and <laughs> history wow. according to the, these ideologues who were who were just taking over they uh started organizing they realized that they had to uh <laughs> to to jump to to kick this bomb out the window um so they began a process of of slow, but, but very systemic organizing and you always had this. So, I mean, the, the, second Mao, uh, Mao dies earlier on in 1976, um, the gang of four is put in prison immediately by, uh, Deng Xiaoping. And that's sort of, I think the start, because, you know, when, when purely trudeau true or Kissinger went to China back in 72, 73, 74, um, and they were saying, yeah, China's great. They should be the the model for the world. What they were specifically talking about was the idea of resetting the entire culture so efficiently from one top-down decision. They're like, 'cause that's what that's what was done, right? In sixty, sixty, uh, sixty-six. And it was really bad for a couple of years, especially, where the 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 the, the youth were manipulated for political uh reasons to um go to war with the four olds, right? All old thought, old thinking, old writing, old, old Buddhist temples, Confucian temples were burned down. And, and there was this idea of recreating human, human nature very, very quickly. Um, and so people like, again, Pierre Trudeau, who was a Fabian society technocrat, who was really into this stuff as, as was, uh, as was Kissinger and others. They were like, yeah, we, we got to do that for everybody. And that's so, you know, um, that's what they wanted, but they, they didn't anticipate that there would be a backlash and that's what there was when the the gang of 4 who oversaw that cultural revolution hmm. were all put in prison and they rotted and died you know years later but that was that was like a backlash of those chinese who didn't want to to go along with this agenda but they were still weak they were very poor still the population had a life life expectancy of maybe 48 years on average very very high infant mortality low productivity at that point so just they they had to heal. They had to build build some muscle tissue, and so part of that, Deng Xiaoping saw was could be done by learning from the techniques of more of the more advanced industrial civilizations, right? And copying, like like any any student does in a workshop, you copy those who figured something out. You copy, you copy, and then you could start going off on your own and creating. So they had a very long-term patient approach to say, okay, well, we need this, these factories. Kissinger wants to make a deal with us that'll help us get productivity, but Kissinger wants us to remain forever slave, <laughs> like the slave colony. Um, we have we have a different idea, and so Deng Xiaoping and his network ended up pushing back against the Soros CIA groupings in around 1988 or so, 89. But the problem was Zhao Jiang by this time had made himself the uh, the chairman of the Chinese Communist Party. It's the highest position of official authority you could have in China. And he 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 co-ran a think tank with George Soros, along with his right hand, his assistant uh, Chen Yitzi, who uh, was the chairman of the I think it was the 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 uh, uh, the Institute for the opening up and reform of China. Basically, it's Soros Front Mm -hmm. Open Society Front Group. Mm -hmm. And so. That was that was big but so i think what happened there was a bit of hubris the um the 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 western elites had presumed that they were they were winning more than they were i mean the 1980s were a big year of victory for the oligarchy right that was like mer- the age of mergers and acquisitions galore you just see the gobbling up right of these of of the the former mom and pop companies agro-industrial in north america and europe that were all taken control by the big, you know, Monsanto, Walmart cartels, Cargill, Archer, Archer Daniels Midland. You know, media as well was consolidated. Banking was consolidated under the uh, the deregulation uh, period. So they they had a lot of reason, I guess, to be hubristic and arrogant. But they 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 I think pushed too fast. And so in China, they uh, they decided well they need to completely purge all of the nationalists from from having any influence in China. And that would require getting Zhao Jiang to become the dictator, the full-blown dictator, hmm. not just because he was still bounded by thousands of members of the Chinese Communist Party who had the ability to resist him in the way that China was configured according to its 1983 constitution. So um, the way they, they managed that, was through um, a Maidan color revolution that they had planned with the help of Soros money, as well as a lot of CIA money um, that was sparked on June 4th in 1989. And the idea was to do like what they did with Ukraine during the Maidan in in 2014 was induce um, mobs of people who were, you know, poor, were victimized, first the laborers and also some students who just felt like they didn't have opportunity and had legitimate reasons to protest peacefully, and they were, especially the students, were protesting very peacefully at Tian- Tiananmen Square. But then, using the playbook that's always always used, is you infuse some agents provocateurs, some people with Molotov cocktails, who are getting you know extra pay from the CIA, who uh, will um, amplify and amplify a peaceful protest into violence, like what we saw in Tunisia or in uh, Libya, where originally people just wanted some economic justice, you know, back in the Arab Spring. Hmm. They're like, oh, we want economic justice. And all of a sudden, they're like standing shoulder to to shoulder with a bunch of ISIS al-Qaeda jihadis who are saying, kill Gaddafi, overthrow the government. They're like, whoa, that's not us. (laughs) And it's too late. It's too late. (laughs) At that point, like soldiers getting shot and burned alive. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. So that's that's that was the plan that they wanted to get as far as a chaos operation um, of that, about 80 uh, PLA soldiers who were not allowed to carry guns even during Tiananmen Square. No guns were allowed by the the, the Chinese soldiers and uh, and there, about 80 were burned alive, strangled, burned alive. You can see pictures, thousands of pictures of their charred bodies. It was terrible. Um, the students were not necessarily the cause of that. It was mostly there was two points of Tiananmen Square. One was about 40 kilometers away from Tiananmen Square, which is where you had um the labor strikes happening simultaneously and that's where a lot of the more violent like uh provocateurs were deployed with money from the cia with guns with a lot of violence and then the students you had that too and the idea was to just turn the whole thing into anarchy into chaos force the government to respond violently and out of the chaos impose order and the order would according to the playbill playbill um, that James Lilly, the CIA of the Deputy Director, or no, he was a CIA agent and u s. Ambassador, friend of George Bush Sr, who was on the ground planning this whole thing. Um the idea was to then bring in Zhao Jiang, the Soros Stooge, and have him become the defender of the people against the big, bad Chinese government. And the people would, you know, then support a, a full-blown coup d'etat or in support of Zhao Jiang, that would make him like a an Auguste Pinochet from Chile type character where then he would go and use the powers of a dictator to completely reform the government, kill the opposition, liberalize everything, you know, open up free markets. And that's what he's even said in his own autobiography later on before he died. He said that that is exactly what he wanted to do. And it's always a paradox for people like, why did why did Kissinger put in Pinochet after killing Salvador Allende in, in Chile? when? You know, Pinochet was a dictator, but then what did Pinochet do as a dictator? Well, he he privatized all of the state companies and he opened up Pinochet's uh, Chile's uh, economy towards free markets. That's a weird thing for a, a dictator to do to promote free markets. Well, that's what it's always about because the free markets was always a cover to kill people and rape their rape their their society, <laughs> their their economies, so that you know bigger uh, dishonest corporations could then take control of their governments by controlling the the electricity grids the roads everything else that's always what the 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 British free trade was about even in the 19th century when they when they were doing free trade to Ireland to India as a cover or China as a cover to uh, to just rape and destroy them and keep them subdued so that didn't work. Um, the uh, Zhao Jiang was put in prison wow. he was he was stripped of all of his honors. He, was, uh, he d- died and rotted in, under house arrest 16 years later. A lot of his key collaborators were put in prison. If they could be caught, if they couldn't be caught, they couldn't be caught because they escaped vis-a-vis um, Operation Yellowbird, um, which is something people could even, Wikipedia Operation Yellowbird, which was a Hong Kong-based operation run by the CIA, MI6, and Hong Kong Triads, um, which brought out, it, it, it helped... Uh, create escape routes for the these these fifth columnist deep staters to escape and over the course of several months receive sanctuary in vancouver in florida in new york which is where they got you know posh lifestyles you know ivory league education and they effectively became um a cia tool that's been used for the past 33 years to have a uh you know it's, it's like having like little useful, you know, uh, Chinese people who look Chinese, but their hearts are completely with the CIA, Um, up, run an, an international um warfare campaign against the Chinese government for the past 35 years. I think Epoch Times and New Tang Dynasty are made possible because of this hive that first grew in 80, to 1990. Some of them who went to jail, um, like this guy, Miles. My- Miles Guo, for example, people might know, of, you know, Miles Guo. No. He's uh, one of the, the, the primary bank rollers of uh, Steve Bannon's war room. Him and Steve Bannon have created a bunch of, of projects together. No kidding. Wow. And Miles Guo is this uh, Chinese billionaire. He ran a J.P. Morgan, uh, a branch of J.P. Morgan in Beijing for a number of years as an investment banker and realtor. Uh, also ran Zenith Enterprises. He was one of the richest guys in China up until 2015, when he was targeted for the anti-corruption crackdown, which has already put about 4.6 million Chinese uh, Party uh, Communist Party officials has punched them. Some by prison, um, some really? have just been stripped of their honors. But he was definitely targeted for because he was a, a corrupt guy. But he he made his fame originally as a student protester organizing um, the hmm. Tiananmen Square uh, protests. And so rup- he
1: was so huh? so let's let's fast forward to what, where we are now to to where we are today and what's the yes. difference and who's who's top of the food chain in china now and who's controlling them are they free or doing their own thing
2: yeah china's in a much better place than it's ever been in, in uh, the past century mm. i would say or longer probably the last two centuries probably since the last uh, Qianlong emperor back in the 1790s was the last time but even he was pretty weak. Maybe the Kangxi Emperor. So I, I would say actually China today is probably in as good of a place as the Kangxi Emperor was in the early 17th century, wow. which is probably the last time you had this much like consolidation and stability by um, leadership that was actually patriotic. Hmm. Yeah, is, Xi, Xi Jinping is solid.
1: Are China and Russia now would be on opposite sides of Klausi, baby in the world economic forum and that crowd would they be hmm, would they be against each other
2: yeah they're vouch uh the, the whole klaus schwabian um, mark carney all of those those characters yeah, are yeah. ideologically uh, transhumanist death cultists oh good um they they're <laughs> they're religiously committed to a concept of human population as um Hmm. An obedient, talking cow that must remain stupid, depopulated, and cut off of all of its ancient traditions to keep their identities as malleable by a master class of wow. lords as possible.
1: That's some hereditary elite, man. That's some vision.
2: Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Ooh, it's it's, it's not new, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's been always a... been the wet dream of every generation of oligarchs <laughs> is to bring that about, and that, that's what they are. They're they're just you know they they they're want to be house slaves themselves. Mark Carney and Klaus Schwab. They're not they're not masters of anything. But they've they've sold their souls to a cause, um, hmm. which is which is satanic as sin, and so they're committed to de- the depopulation program. Um, Putin, uh, Xi Jinping, and their trusted allies are absolutely ideologically in opposition to depopulation hmm. and cutting their traditions, their societies off of their ancient traditions. They're totally opposed to that. So yeah, it's it's wow. two different worldviews.
1: Carney is are, uh, uh, European Central Bank, is he? He
2: was the he was, uh, Canadian Goldman Sachs freak yeah, yeah. who was made governor of the Bank of Canada, and then and then he was made the governor of the Bank of England, and now he's a uh, behind the scenes manager of global Great Reset green new deals. You know, he works closely with uh, Christia Freeland, and both of them were at Oxford around the same time. Uh huh.
1: So, um, so Putin's a good guy. I mean, is he? Is he? I guess there's no really good politicians but would you say he's uh describe what you what you think he's about Vladimir Putin Putin
2: Oh,
0: uh,
1: he
2: was he was brought in you know I, he was brought in uh, by Yevgeny Primakov um mm-hmm. after the the devastating years of perestroika of the 90s so basically you know where where China learned their lesson and kicked out George Soros back in 1989. Because when they arrested Zhao Jiang, they also passed a, a law banning George Soros or open society to have any any um, organizational influence in China itself. So Soros was kicked out of China. Um, Russia didn't learn that lesson. They were a lot weaker. And they let Soros and the CIA um, run amok and uh, own them for, for throughout the 1990s. Wow. And that was, like I was saying earlier, that was the idea under under Yeltsin Of the perfect kind of regionalization desired by Count Kalergi was, you know, have uh, Russia, the former Soviet space, integrate into a new sort of like Soviet Union, but not Soviet, but now it would be a different name with um, very local controls for ethnic tribal interests that would have their own little mini ethnic enclaves, you know, in a balkanized situation, but economically all of the system would be managed from a top. By the IMF, by the the London um, Wall Street establishment, Mm -hmm. which themselves were anti-American, anti-European. And so all that to say that that's what they wanted. They wanted China as well to be managed by that local elite and then economically under the shackles of the IMF with an Asian union. Maybe that would involve South Korea. um, A lot of the the Asian, Southern Asian states, you know, India would maybe be a part of that. Maybe they would be part of their own bloc. And then with those seven or eight blocks, then you'd be able to manage the world. So all that to say, in China, they they woke up fast hmm. and they started re- rehabilitating their 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 physical economy in the 90s. So China didn't allow for their their banks to become privatized the way Russia did. So Russia's national bank in the 1990s 90, 92 essentially was revamped and became an appendage of the IMF really um China didn't allow that hmm. they kept control of their state banking institutions which gave them the capacity to do what they've been doing for the past really 15 20 years which is emit credit for large-scale projects that don't fit with the protocols of the IMF which doesn't allow for that to, to be done anywhere uh if you so- if you sold your soul over to their formulas you 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 can't do what China does um hmm. Russia would have been able to 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 do the same thing but again you know, Yeltsin uh, and they, they just destroyed everything and they brought in Davos very early on in the 90s into St. Petersburg um, with the uh, St. Petersburg economic forum and another version of Davos there. And, and anyway, they, they had a lot more infiltrators and snakes who took control of positions of influence and power. And so when when uh, when Yeltsin was flushed, Primakov was one of the 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 best human beings of Russian with Russian power back in the day he was a poet a statesman a scientist like this guy was was really? an exceptional mind and a strategist and so he saw um vladimir putin as the key troubleshooter that he nurtured and put into a position where whereby putin would become first prime minister and then president very quickly um as part of a larger you know program to begin to heal to to you know Which wasn't going to be easy that that was a long-term process he set the stage for also the uh the shanghai cooperation organization that was that was primakov who organized that with his chinese counterparts as well as some uh, indian friends um he set the stage for the g20 um as well in 1999 so primakov put a lot of the things that we're seeing now that have been incubating he put a lot of that into motion that they were the shanghai cooperation organization was never supposed to happen the g20 was never supposed to happen there was only supposed to be the g the g7 that was it um, so anyway, Putin's job was to, you know, he had a certain reputation. Nobody knew what to, uh, what to make of him. And he trusted a lot of the oligarchs trusted him because they were like, okay, he's, he's all in it for himself. We, we know, we know guys like that. We can trust them. And every time opportunities arose, he would like usually pull the, 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 the rug out from under their, their feet. So you have all of these interesting cases where, uh, you know, he started putting a lot of these oligarchs who were billionaires, from the 90s into prison because they resisted the state, uh, the state taking over control of the privatized energy systems like Gazprom or, um, I mean, everything was privatized. So Putin had a fight to start retaking back control of national controls of these things. And for those who, who cooperated, he let them stay out of prison and he would, he would, he was trying to sort of like work with those oligarchs that wanted to behave by by the by the new rules and for those that resisted they would either have to seek exile in London or Florida which is what they did or go to jail if they couldn't if they couldn't get their escape route. So you have a lot of these cases, right? Wow. So number 1. Um he was a he played a game and he, he continues to I think now you can sort of see Putin's true self coming out a little bit more and more these days, but he had to play a very very um Machiavellian game, as as has to be done in politics and in the real world. Um, and uh, I think that Putin right now is... He's a Christian. I, I think he's authentically a Christian. Um, he's got big support from the Orthodox Church, which is a major political player in Russia. It's not so much the church isn't much of a political player in most of North America or Europe anymore, but it is in Russia, And it, but it's, it's not the Vatican, it's the Orthodox Church. Um, and he is, uh, he's created an alliance with, with China and with, uh, India and with Iran, Iran. and with some many African countries, which is very important, but it's the China and Russia Alliance, which is the key that yeah. makes all of this work. Cause China has, doesn't have as strong of a military intelligence capability. They have a strong banking capability and financial capability, but, and a, and a good productivity they, they've, they they've gone on to pioneer. A lot of uh, science and technology after they've spent decades, you know, copying, learning, reverse engineering, but now they're like pioneering. They're making they're producing more patents than the West um, in every field of science you could imagine. And so the Russian China Russia doesn't have good banking, but they have good military intelligence. So together they've been able to um, contribute their talents pretty well to changing the rules of the game, whether in Southwest Asia, in the Middle East, in Africa. In their own backyard so and,
1: and this this crowd that you're talking about do they then have eyes on being part of a something that would replace the dollar as a world reserve currency is this their plan what they want to do petro yuan or whatever they're talking about
2: well that's what's <laughs> happening yeah
1: <clears throat> that's what's happening
2: that that's what's happening that's <laughs> that's what they're doing i mean they didn't want that I, originally you know <clears throat> keep in mind like Sergei Lavrov has been um speaking very much about the need to speak with western partners after they've sobered up. <laughs> and Putin for up until around up until really Trump was uh was ousted, Putin was always speaking of the United States as his friends, his confused friends. They don't seem to, but he was always using this very um um very different language. After Trump, after he saw that 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 there was this coup in the United States and you had the death cult take over under Biden, he stopped using that language. Then it became the Empire of Lies. Because <laughs> he's like, there's nothing I can work with anymore. You know, I I he all of these 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 um figures, Xi Jinping also, was always trying to speak to the better West that would look out for their own interests. They like the idea of of like, that's why they like Trump. The Chinese people. Look at all the surveys done in, in China during Trump's administration. The Chinese people, by and large, loved Trump. Is that they right? thought of him with very positive terms as like businessman makes things happen. You know, they, they liked him. Their their media, the state, the Chinese state media always portrayed a very positive image of Trump for good reason, because they could see that Trump actually wasn't part of a death cult and did did want to um build back America and make America great. Like They like that because if if you're if you're a leader of a country and you care about your your national interests,
1: got to be a good guy, right?
2: (laughs) Then China or Russia can work with you. If you want to destroy your country, China and are willing to sacrifice your own people to maintain political hegemony, you you can't really be be worked with or trusted in anything. Hmm. So um, I don't think that China or Russia ever wanted for a long time to replace the US dollar. They wanted a new system whereby a new set of rules more in harmony with like human dignity could emerge instead of the IMF World Bank system that would involve, yes, the U.S. dollar, but also um, their own currencies playing a role. They, but they, they've wanted things like that for a long time mm-hmm. that that wasn't accepted by their Western counterparts. And now we're coming to the place where our banking system, by virtue of, his, of its own immorality, like the roman empire you know is it collapsed under its own immorality and satanism now our own banking system is going its natural course of collapse and um they're like well we we have to now prepare a new banking system outside of that's not influenced by by these idiots and yeah. hopefully they can sober up and and take part in it at some point but
1: you know what they yeah. say matthew <laughs> karma's a bitch you know it's like <laughs> you know? yeah well i tell you what, I mean. exactly yeah uh, Matthew Ered is with us. Patrick Timponi one radio network If you care to join the conversation, pretty cool stuff. Interesting. Matthew, stay right there. We're going to take a quick break and then be back. And if you have a question for him or a comment, Patrick at one radio Patrick at one radio the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, that's what Matthew's giving us today. The rest of the story. Remember Paul Harvey? I can remember, I used to listen to him in the 70s Was I was on a radio station in, in Quincy, Illinois, and we would run Paul Harvey at noon. And At that time, he was one of the high, he was the highest paid uh, broadcaster in the country, Paul Harvey. Because he sold stuff. He knew how to sell stuff. Speaking of that, uh, this is on sale if you'd like to Buy some of this.
0: One of the very first things I do in the morning is come sit at my meditation chair. And that's when I take my dual extracted mushrooms from Sir Thrival, the Chaga and the Reishi. Both of these mushrooms are immunomodulators. If you had too strong of an immune system, like autoimmunity, it'll help to downregulate and calm the immune system. If you have too weak of an immune system, like an immunodeficiency, they help to upregulate or strengthen your immune system. So whatever you're dealing with, they help to bring your immune system to balance. In addition to being immunomodulators and adaptogens, chaga is probably best known for its extremely high ORAC value or antioxidant content. It scavenges the body of free radicals. And reishi has a long history being used in conjunction with meditation and for reaching higher states of consciousness. And that's why I like to take these right before my meditation. There's a lot of medicinal mushroom supplements on the market to choose from but most are made with cheaply produced mushrooms grown on grain and either ground up and put in capsules or extracted in non-organic alcohol. Thrival does it differently. We use wild harvested chaga and organic certified wood grown reishi fruit bodies, not the mycelial extract. And then we use an organic alcohol and a hot water extraction method and then recombine so you get the full benefits of these extremely high quality mushrooms
1: great company and uh, good products, as you know. We've talked about them for 15 years. Been promoting them. You have the Colostrum, the Shaga, the Reishi, and this is on sale right now. If you'd like to get some, uh, use promo code MUSHROOM, as in cloud. or No, that's not good. MUSHROOM <laughs> and you get 15% off on Shaga and Reishi. 15% off on Shaga and Reishi. If you've not looked at our Hydrogen technology. Uh, welcome you to do that. I think you'll find this a really interesting piece of equipment. It's called Holy Hydrogen. And we think it is the uh, purest uh, food-grade hydrogen you're going to get with any machine out there. It's made in Japan. And the Japanese have been all over this hydrogen technology for um, a very long time. <clears throat> Most of the peer-reviewed papers... Are all with hydrogen? Uh, um, they're using. They're, it's, they're helping people to uh, um, recover more quickly from from strokes and things like that with hydrogen. So you can breathe this at home, and you, then you breathe it at home, and then also make the hydrogen water. Use promo code Holy Hydrogen. I'm sorry. Use promo code One Radio, uh, and you get a hundred dollars off. And just order it through our website. I saw a, uh, an article this morning you um, the UK unveiled their first zero emission hydrogen electric hgv with class leading 370 mile range hydrogen vehicle systems hfs hvs is a new uk based hydrogen vehicle and uh, 370 mile range is zero emissions wow you should see look at this baby it's a big old truck, a tractor trailer that drags these big tractor trailers across the country. Hydrogen, a lot of people think hydrogen is going to be the next big deal. We'll, we'll see. Um, quickly, before we go back, if you'd like to get some sulfur, we have our sulfur is, we think one of the best ones out there. We don't know of a cleaner one, or more pure sulfur. You can go on one radio network and order the sulfur. And it's. Um, and then if you want more than four pounds, just email me, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. It's a great product. It helps the body to detoxify everything in their brother and their sister, and it's sulfur on One Radio Network, okay. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We are getting a fun education in the real history of what's going on in the world with Matthew Arrett, and this is what he does for a living. Studies this stuff. Somebody here, George, thanks for having me I always enjoy it. I get an earful. Uh, does he know if the oh Central Bank of Russia is privately owned by the one at the Fed or is it owned by the Russian government? Do we know the Central Bank of Russia? The Central Bank of
2: Russia, um, which currently is chaired by um, Elvira Nebulina, um, a Yale-educated... I believe monetarist of a Keynesian bent hmm. um, is. It's not clear to me exactly. I'll be honest with you. Um, who owns it or who the runs it? Proprietary ship of it per se. I believe, by and large, it appears to be um, like it's a government-owned building. It's. It seems to be uh, generally under the influence of the government, but there are a lot of loopholes in its constitution, which is pretty big. That gives it a, it it ties its, its mandate has been tied almost by its original design and constitution to the edicts of the World Trade Organization and the IMF, which created, which managed the rules of the transatlantic rules-based international order of good good behavior and finance. So um, these are again shaped by Keynesian doctrines of pricing, inflation theory, things like that. Um, and Keynes is somebody who is really a, a Trojan horse poison pill. Um, mm. For example, you, you couldn't differentiate qualitatively the difference between um, a government initiative to um, put a thousand or a million of your citizens to work digging holes and then another million filling up holes for no purpose Right? no measurable qualitative benefit to society or the real economy would emerge out of that, except that they would all get paychecks from the government initiative, and they would use those paychecks under the Keynesian logic to then go buy things like soap or whatever, pay their bills, pay their taxes. And that that act of buying things would then stimulate companies to make things that would then create a demand for infrastructure, like electricity that needs to power the companies. And then the government would satisfy that demand by building the infrastructure like the electricity or the water systems that would that would power the companies that would make the cars or the soap that would then satisfy the consumers who were getting their paychecks from digging holes and filling holes <laughs> now that that's incompetent that's insane <laughs> um real real statecraft um involves appreciating that the the quality of the effect of the jobs that you are bringing online are going to both benefit the individual people living in the society and the society's productive powers as a whole as abraham lincoln himself understood very clearly with his support for national bank renewal as well as the greenbacks as his uh As his compromise back in 1862 when he put up brought the greenbacks online he couldn't get a national bank he didn't have the support but he did do what he did as a stepping stone he died too soon but he understood that you know you need to build the transcontinental railway you need to build coherent canals water projects schools um that are going to have all sorts of non-linear benefits to um the nation as a whole so that's 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 different so the the russian bank being under the sway of the IMF makes a lot of stupid decisions and doesn't. They they don't know what they're allowed to do as a sovereign nation. You can do things like what China does um, and, and emit credit the way Lincoln did or the way China does today, which is very similar in, in practice, quite ironically, which is emit you know, 10, 20 year credits, investment loans that will have very low interest, um, very reasonable terms um, that are tied to concrete projects that have to be built that's the only conditionality of the of the chinese banking system when you when when you look at um the way that they emit loans for themselves or for their neighbors barring a few exceptions the the thousands of loans have all been tied to the condition of get it done build the bridge build the tunnel build the industrial hub the 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 special um um enterprise zone just build it get it done if you got to pay bribes if that's the way you do things in Zambia, you pay the damn bribes. Just whatever, make it happen. That's their only condition. In 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 the IMF or the World Bank case, that can you know there's there's a list of a thousand conditionalities that involve. Yeah, we'll give you this loan if you want to build this. This you want to you want to build this hydroelectric dam. We'll we'll give you this three billion dollar loan, says the IMF, under these conditions that you pay thirty six percent interest, that you use foreign companies to do it, that you make sure that the uh, that you that you privatize all of these state. You know your your healthcare system and and you do all of these other things that are unfortunately not only not going to let the the dam be built, but anything that happens is going to make you more of a, a debt slave to us and more underdeveloped and and backwards. You know as far as a you 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 are, so it's different. Russia again, they're still under that sway. <laughs> um, I think that the the fact that their their foreign exchange reserve holdings in us do, you know that that were that were that were in offshore bank accounts um 300 billion dollars were seized yeah. in europe a lot of a lot of offshore accounts a lot of you know they they kept a lot of their 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 mm-hmm. in foreign accounts that was so called seized although not a lot of people know where exactly that is so there might have been a bit of a trap there set um but it, it's it's definitely torn off. It's it's broken the illusion of the authority uh, of the Western IMF model of banking. Um, so maybe this will result in people like Sergey Glaziev and more competent economists of Russia having more of um, a p- influence in uh, the financial system. And, and Glaziev has been very loud for over two decades, saying that that, ch- that Russia needs to adopt a more robust. American system economic style banking model the way China has successfully done. So there's a fight there too. So I, I don't know which way it's
1: going to go. Russia right? monetizing debt with the ruble just like the Fed does with the dollar where they, they could, you know, they would create rubles and loan them out like the Fed does or, or buy things. Yeah, you just, yeah. The, the, only, the only thing you want is that you
2: don't want to just make the debt out of nothing. You want to make it tied to sure. something. It has to be two tied types of to it, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Tied to something real that you're building that sure. that's gonna that's gonna extinguish itself. So good debt extinguishes itself by building something new and better. Yes. Uh, the Fed just makes debt out of thin air. It just <laughs> yes. makes things up because it <laughs> right. somehow has this godlike power. Uh, a, bank will a, a bank debt. will create a bank
1: will create a mortgage-backed security which is totally synthetic, right? And they just you know they yes. just uh, leverage the, the the amount, and then the Fed will buy it from them create the dollars and buy it from them. Exactly. crazy. It doesn't mean anything. It's, it's made up. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so, so then the forces yeah. behind this central bank digital currency that we, man, these people are running, you see it everywhere now. So somebody, who would these people be, Matthew, and the, they would be then controlling, at this point, controlling Biden, the same crowd that wants to do the CB central bank digital currency. You think? Yeah, yes. Same crowd, same crowd. Sure. So would their goal be to make things so bad in this country, United States or Canada, that people will cry out and say, yeah, I want one of those CD things? (laughs) That's the idea,
2: right? Yeah. Look, the the, the, the most uh, consistent model of... How what their game plan is was played out in Weimar Germany in 1922 to 23. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to first completely destroy a a, a salvageable Weimar uh, Reichsmark. It was salvageable. It, it, it was a bad. It, I mean, obviously Germany was in a bad place after World War One, but um, it was understood that the Versailles debt treaty re- uh, repayments were ir- irrational. It was going to force them to print money out of the wazoo that would devalue their currency and, and just create inflation that was understood which they did and and they they and they did and their, their real economy they're farming they're mining alsace lorraine the big mining regions of um of western germany were taken control of by by france uh their their trains were taken under the control of of western companies they're you know so they were they were stripped of the ability physically to produce real value and at the same time told to pay these impossible debts giving them the only option which was print money which foreseeably um blew out their 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 value of their so people were, were wiping their asses with money because it was easier to come by billion dollar bills than it was to uh, buy toilet paper um <laughs> and so that resulted in trauma shock desperation people were starving in the streets of weimar and and the solution was remember i, I brought up count Kale- uh kudenhove kalergi his uh, his de- or one of his his devotees um hjalmar Schacht, who was a part of the um the pan europa movement and a, and a disciple of montague norman of the bank of england was brought in inserted as a technocratic manager who had the miracle solution of telling people okay great idea we can just bring your wheelbarrows full of money to me and i'll give you the shiny new rent and mark and you just give me your 800 billion dollars of, of rice useless money and now you can use it but with new rules and the new rules involved massive cuts in social services cuts in living standards um you know a half valuation of the new currency and new types of behavior that had to be accommodated to keep the bread go, bread on your on your table that night to feed your family Um, and through that type of, 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 of trauma that also it was better than the, it was better than hyperinflation, but it was still like, um, defacing of, of the, the, the people's lives. And it created, um, a situation whereby, um, Hitler could then become a, a force who was formerly a negligible, the National Socialist Party was a negligible force that could be ignored in Germany, representing maybe the, the opinions of two, 2% or less of the population. They did not have, they were not players in anything, but people were so broken that they were more easily radicalizable, which is, and, and supportive of these wall street, London funded political parties like the Nazis hmm. with their Rockefeller foundation, eugenics research that was then sold to people saying, look, the problem of all of your, your issues is the Jews. That's and so people were just looking for a scapegoat because they were so broken. They didn't have jobs anymore, and so there were there were all of these wow. nice little easy okay. scapegoats given to them on a silver platter to hate and be- become the hate absorbers. Um, and and so yeah, you can sort of see the replication of that happening today, where there's you know a, a lot like the 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 hate for Jews, the belief that all of the problems are caused of the world just by the Jews. That that's that's there's a lot of gasoline poured on that fire. Um. Not so Nazi, you know, they, there's even the opinion being promoted that you know the Nazis were actually the good guys in World War II, they were against the big bad bankers, they were the real nationalists. I'm seeing that everywhere. A lot of people come up to me. Every time okay. I write something nice about Franklin Roosevelt or Lincoln, I'm told, no, Lincoln was the fascist. The slave the slave south was actually the good guys, and Roosevelt was the bad guy. He was the fascist working with the, the Jewish bankers, and Hitler was the good guy. And it's like, wait, really, really, is that the case? I mean, the fact is that the Nazis were never punished. The Wall Street bankers that actually funded the, the Nazis, Prescott Bush, Brown Brothers Harriman, the J.P. Morgan Trust, they were all of the the financial the city of London were the financial backers who were never punished in Nuremberg who made fascism happen. They're the ones and the Nazis you had eight SS leading SS officers who ran the NATO's Central European Command between 1958 to 74. All of them were former high-level SS officers who ran NATO's Central European Command. Um, Stefan Bandera, the, the leading Nazi collaborator, along with Nikola Lebed, the ne- leading Ukrainian Nazi collaborator, who killed 100,000 Jews, Poles, Slavs, gays. They killed them all, and they became absorbed by the CIA MI6, and they rewrote our history for the Ukrainians who have all been sitting in Canada you know, being given these new textbooks that paint World War II as if Russia was the bad guy. You know, the Nazis were the good guys. Or Finland. Finland has a big Nazi problem. They had the swastika on their, their National Air Force official logo up until the 2020 for a century. It was the swastika. And the, the, the Finns during World War II were working with the Nazis, killing the Jews, the gays, the Slavs in Finland and and shipping them off to to draco and other things in poland and declaring war with the right Ru- like they were at war with russia throughout the entirety of world war ii so it's like this is what's being brought into nato so you know the fact that so many people th- are being led to believe that to be a nationalist and to hate and to, to fight the great reset you have to be pro hitler that's not a coincidence hmm. that's there because they the, the nazis won and they they want you to think that
1: there's many people out there not many but a few that argue that uh, there's lots of nazis in ukraine um, and that's part of this whole yeah. this whole Ukrainian war thing. That's true.
2: Same thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Same. That's thing. true. Yeah. Nazis are all over Ukraine for that reason. Wow. Wow. But they wouldn't have been had, let's say, look, because it's all economics, right? If sure. you look at Ukraine, 1989, they had one of the highest per capita living standards of all European countries. Was hmm. the Ukrainians wow. Black Sea region tourist attraction of the world? Super high. Uh, industrial, uh, industrial capability, high la- living standards and no radicalization. When you have hope for the future, good job, good family, you know, th- there's stability. You're not easily going to be radicalizable, uh, into a Nazi ideology that, that tries to, well, do what they're not. So that was, all of this prop was only made possible by 30 years of IMF directed, um, financial reorganization of Ukraine that consciously created a climate of vast corruption, vast poverty um, that that then created hopelessness and despair and anger, all of these toxic emotions in the the hearts especially of the young who were it then became um, a fertile, you know breeding ground for um, for the sort of Azov battalion, Svoboda Nazi revivalism, that really, really uh, blew up in 2013-14 with the Maidan, and has only gotten worse and worse and worse. Mm.
1: So, where does Matthew Errett think this whole Russian thing is going to go? It doesn't look like Putin is going to just turn around and go back. He's going to just keep going. No, he's just no. going to keep going. I mean, he's going. biding
2: his time. He, he's patient. Like yeah. the, the the thing about so there's a meme going around like China's new, um, the China-Russian new new uh, military policy against. Uh, the United States is to <laughs> sit back and wait for the collapse. <laughs> and so in a certain sense, they know that they have <laughs> a bit of time on their side. The U.S. has like over exceeded its promises. It's it's it, so it's promised more military support than it is functionally capable of creating. Yeah, they're giving now IOUs because they don't have the factory productive capability to produce the munitions, the tanks and other things that they've promised to Zelensky, which is all part of graft and, and corruption anyway. Zelensky has just like been skimming with his whole you know network off the top, and he's been doing that since even before the the special military operation began. He was part of the the Pandora Papers, right? That that found he had something like a six hundred million dollar offshore bank holding in in British run Cayman Islands banks, as and and so did uh, Kolomoskoy Igor Igor Kolomoskoy, who is. Uh, uh, a hyperpolitical Zionist player billionaire of Russia, also funder of the Nazi Azov Battalion, which has all of a sudden received support from the the Anti Defamation League as well, saying, "Yeah, yeah, sure, they're they they have Nazi origins, but you know now they're freedom fighters." And uh, <laughs> so, you know, all that to say that's the handler and and super corrupt figure who actually is a, a major owner of Barissima Holdings, which um, yeah, yeah. you know the whole Biden clan Biden received thing. tons of graft off that. Yeah. So um, so do you yeah, think these Russia's c- job Russia is currently again taking it sort of slow, waiting for the, the West to just atrophy itself and for the, the banking system to just blow out at which point they could start moving a bit faster. And also I think they their part of their strategy appears to be in my assessment. Uh-huh. I may be wrong, but I think this is sort of what they're doing wow. is taking some of the weight the, the fire off of uh, China because the the China is the big the 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 thing that sets the biggest fear into the hearts of western geopoliticians is China. Yeah. Ah, uh, because China has the actual long-term durable they got the stuff. economic yeah. power. Yeah, they got the goods. Yeah, they got the stuff to make it happen. Russia doesn't have uh, that much strength economically. Hmm. It's 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 a fraction of China. So Russia is more of like an immediate threat. But they figured that they could, if they could just like get the oligarchs in Russia to kill Putin, create a coup d'état, then they could easily get Russia back on board with the new world order. So they script. really
1: think they can do Whereas, that. They can pull that off and get rid.
2: Well, they Putin. think that they've they've come out openly saying so. No. I mean. John Bolton, many, many Western um, figures who are big players um, have openly said, even Biden has even said, we need a regime change in Russia. (laughs) Russia needs a regime change. He said that twice. And um, what they're and he's saying out loud things that he was told in his private briefings by Victoria Nuland. You're you're, this is just for us. okay? and then he just comes and says something because he has no brain. Um, and then, and then, you know, the, they have to do, they have to try to put out fires afterwards, which is always, it's like what he said with Taiwan too, you know, when he was asked twice, would the U S military come in supporting Taiwan if, if China takes control? And he's like, yeah, we would come and we would go to war with, with China over that twice. Um, and both times, you know, the white house spokesperson, <laughs> spokesperson had to come out and say, no, 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 he didn't really mean that He slip of the tongue. Don't worry. Don't ignore him. But, but you know again he says the quiet part out loud a lot but yeah they, they've wanted to put economic pain through sanctions onto russia especially forcing um a, they want to force a loss of support around putin and um they wanted to threaten the russian oligarchs who tend to have a lot of offshore you know yachts real estate holdings their money is in london controlled banking bank accounts and so their idea is to freeze all of these private accounts and assets as a as um a way to encourage those those russian oligarchs to to overthrow putin get their stuff back and then bring russia back into the fold the way yeltsin had done in the 90s that's that's the that's the primary that's plan wet uh-huh. dream that they're operating at, operating on yeah
1: and and it doesn't sound like you think that's gonna happen so in your conjecture we'll we we do not know the future that the the West is going to implode, and that's and Putin will be fine. He'll just keep going and doing what he's doing.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't want talking about details of what it's what the world's going to look like after a, right. a chain reaction default of whether it's by the default of the U.S. debt this summer or whether it's by some other trigger. And there's so many points of trigger that could that could yes. uh, unleash the chain reaction. I don't I don't I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, it's probably not going to make it on a certain on a tactical level. It's not going to make the lives of the Russians or the Chinese easier. I mean, that, you know, their economies are still contingent upon a foreign export market that that involves the West as playing a big role in justifying the Chinese productive centers that still outsource and, and, and provide a lot of physical goods for the West. That's still a thing. Russia still has, you know, Western markets that buy their their oil and natural gas just not directly it's it's now a little bit more circuitous vis-a-vis you know turkey or saudi arabia or india buying the gas from russia and then selling it to europe which used to just be more direct but so you know if that european market goes to hell or america goes to hell well i mean that again that that creates a problem in the the supply chains of russia the they, they lose a lot of the so there's there's going to be a, a tumultuous period for everybody, but they are in a much, much better position to bring a healing process online with a viable uh, mode of practice of of competent banking in that part of the world, which could w- will by its virtue, by its nature, if it's not destroyed by nuclear war, which in my mind is the only way that this could be disrupted at this stage in the game would be the unleashing of nuclear, uh, nuclear yeah. bombs all over the world. That yeah. could maybe that could be the only thing that could undo it but if that's if that's avoided then their success is in our benefit because it creates um something viable that we could take part in as part of our longer term recovery we need we need to have something viable <laughs> so yeah that's there
1: it, it feels like half of this country or maybe more are i don't know what to call them but they've been programmed through google and facebook and and microsoft and all this thing for years in the media into becoming more and more whatever this woke thing is. Um, so now the, the AI is like the big thing. And, um, Matthew, the way I look at this AI thing, uh, there's nothing intelligent about it, right? It's just a database. And whoever programs the database, the information comes out from the programmers, right? I mean, it can't think. Yes. It can't think. We only we can think, spiritual beings, souls, we can think critically. AI is just a database, right? It's just a database. And now they're talking about yeah, well, well we don't know what it's gonna do because it could take over. I mean, this is all crap what they're what they're talking about. It can't take over anything. It doesn't it can't think. It just connects yeah. pieces, right? Well, you you have a, a metaphysical
2: identity, I do. Patrick. So, the the common sense, and it, and it, it's not very common. You know, they say <laughs> common sense is not very, very common. Ironically, um, but what you've just expressed is a very reasonable common sense observation about thinking being more than simply logic. Yes, because any computer can yeah. do logic. Are connecting two things. You
1: know, yeah, are comparing things and connecting them. Yeah, right.
2: compare it, pattern information. A computer sure. will see a certain pattern, a set of relationships that are plotted on a on a Cartesian grid, and they'd be like, Okay, that that set of patterns and that set of relationships are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. And since my programmer has infused a meaning qualitatively into this set of relationships being like Bill and this set of you know, anything that looks like th- like that set of data points will be associated with the identity of Bill. So, I could see like a facial recognition, you know, being a so you overlap a pattern. Um, they could do that. That's 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 basic, like that's gonna be know, easy,
1: right? Easy, Arist-
2: easy, yeah, easy. That's easy, Aristotelian logic 101. It's a useful tool that the brain can do, but that's not what thinking is. Human thinking involves also, as you just pointed out, concepts of your sentiments, your insight. Your ability to see behind behind the surface of things, to to be influenced by matters of conscience, to to be mm-hmm. influenced by matters of inspiration, yes, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are not things you could put into a program into a computer. That only humans do those things, and they allow us to 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 make these incredibly miraculous uh, creations yes. of of new discoveries, new new artistic displays, things like that. So. Um, the only way that people could be persuaded that AI is this dangerous, like, it is this thing that will make humans irrelevant in the next phase of evolution as technology just moves evolutionarily along its path without humans, unless we integrate with humans the way Elon Musk is saying we should right. with Neuralink and become relevant a little bit. The only way people could believe this garbage is if they've been so, de- um, it reduced, to the standard of thinking like a computer through their education, yes, through their bad mental habits. And if you if you yourself is, have never experienced proper human thinking and you yourself think like, a, t- like a, a, a Turing machine, you might be persuaded that your mind will be replaced by a computer because you don't know human thinking. Yes, So I agree. You know, I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. overall, yeah, it's a psyop. It's a total psyop. It's
1: a total psyop. Did you see where Musk is going to do truth, uh, G.H.? Now he's going to do his own... Yeah, I saw that article this morning, and we said on Tucker Carlson, it's going to be a new AI called Truth G H P T or something like that. So he's claiming his is going to be the truth. I'm like, sure,
2: whatever. I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, I, I I have no respect for Elon yeah. Musk. Honestly, I, people treat him like he's this great genius billionaire who just earned all. He's the richest guy in the world, and listen to him speak. There, there is so little substance in what he says he's uh, he very clearly has training handlers who who school him on what he's gonna say he doesn't have any depth of 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 any good reason because like a a lot of the things he says it's like i agree with a lot of the things he says but if you listen to why he came to the conclusions that he came to like for example I, i i i'm a technological optimist i believe in um magnetic levitation rail being the next phase of of human engineering that's a good thing me and i believe too. in human ex, you know fun. space exploration all these good things yeah i like that i like the idea of like a mars colony for the next generations so i like those that, that gets me excited but if you listen to him say it like well why do you why do you want maglev rail or or mars uh exploration um projects he's like because it's cool <laughs> because i want it because because we should it's like what the, that's no i mean listen to john f kennedy speak right like if anybody wants to see somebody who has substance who also supports technological progress in a in an optimistic way listen to somebody with substance like jfk giving his reasons why these things are good and compare it to elon musk who's a synthetic shell of a nothing who's a big transhumanist freak working for the military industrial complex (laughs) um helping to overthrow governments in iran um destabilizing ukraine um the, mm. merging us with machines as a transhumanist, like the guys on so working to create mrna vaccine tech with one of his 3d printing firms um like oh. on every level it smells rotten and people they just wanted a hero so badly that they just flocked him or this bbc interview which you know he's like he looked really bad for a while because of a lot of the the the, the censorship that he's still doing despite the twitter files On Twitter and having said okay let's just forget about the Twitter files it's old news now and he's now trying to get people to to stop thinking about it and it looks really bad and so you know they set up this BBC um, interviewer who's incompetent to uh, to grill him but in a very incompetent way the whole thing was rehearsed and and he these things are used to like champion the fact that this guy is the big freedom fighter on the inside white hat and it's like I believe you can be a really rich person and be a good person That I believe, of course, I believe that at the same time to be in a satanically managed globalized empire of evil, the way we have become, it's (laughs) such an unhealthy system. And to become the richest person, no, I'm sorry, and to be that soft minded, (laughs) you're 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 a cardboard cutout in Mm -hmm. my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, Elon Musk is is putting he's a big part of the AI myth, psyop, and this truth Mm -hmm. GPT. Garbage. Yeah, it's, it's complete sci-fi.
1: Cassandra says, I really enjoy when you have Matthew on. So what does he think the, the United States would look like if half the people do the whole woke thing and CBCDs and the other half say, no, I'm going to do something else? Uh, can he predict what will happen in this country? Hmm. You got your predictor's um, hat on? <laughs>
2: Sandra, that, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I usually... I will stay away from, from that type of answer because I don't know. I, yes. I'll honestly just say, I
1: don't know. Yeah. Well, that's a good answer. Who does know, right? I mean,
2: who doesn't? Yeah, I don't know. I, I hear people commenting and making podcasts speaking so um, absolutely about what they know will happen. And, and I, I'm like, no, you, you're making things up. You don't have a note. You, you've never experienced anything like this. I, you know, every, I, I think, yeah, people should every just.
1: Every person in the world has a podcast. Every person I've interviewed yeah. in the last two years has their own show now, Matthew. When I came on this uh, network <laughs> 15 years ago, there was about four people out there, yeah? and boom, everybody yeah. now—just everybody. It's fun, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gertie—that's cool. That's no, cool. No, no, it's to, fun to do that. But it, it, yeah, it's fun. But yeah, yeah. once again, just but because it, but you but have a microphone a or a keyboard there's more doesn't. Messiness.
2: There's, there's more There's more lazy mindedness being thrown out there, masquerading as wisdom, which which makes it you got to be more discerning. Yeah. Navigating through it. So,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. What I I could say is the best of all possible worlds would be, you know, we we touched a little bit on on Lincoln's greenbacks, the the historical traditions of American constitutional banking. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: That is the best of all possible worlds. Faced with the type of existential systemic breakdown crisis that we're currently living through, is to I I could say what has worked in the past has certain characteristics, um, and what what's working for China with their banking system that I that I've alluded to is the sort of thing America used to do when it was still sober. Um, that sort of thing has to take a form in some way. It might not be super quick, but it ha- it has to have those characteristics. Overall, which involve, you know, like number one, ideally recognizing before hell shit hits the fan. Sorry for the language. uh, Ideally before the blowout, recognizing that the bank, the system is bankrupt, putting it through an orderly bankruptcy receivership, you know, chapter 11 style, Mm -hmm. recognizing that a lot of the debts built into the system are not legitimate the way, you know, Franklin Roosevelt did in the 1930, 32, 33. 33, 34. Uh, break up break up the banks with things like Glass-Steagall t- In order to do an orderly reorganization Figure out which of the banks are viable That need to be reorganized under new management Which ones are not viable Which just gambled and lost with other people's money too much A lot of the too-big-to-fails that, that label has to be removed And everything that has that failed If it's incompetent, should fail if it, if it really is a useful instrument But it is m- mismanaged Then again, you reorganize it and you, you protect people's savings within, um, you know, in, at the time of the, the 30s, it was, I think, $100,000. Then it moved up to $250,000 of guaranteed protection. Currently, the, fe- the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation doesn't even have a fraction of what's needed to cover the deposits, which is why a lot of, I think, $300 billion of deposits vaporized, right, yeah. at the last wave of crisis. That's a fraction of the, the, the type of chaos that could easily happen again. So you need to have... Um, a, a rehabilitation of the real economy once more. The way the way Trump, the I mean, think what people may about Donald Trump. I gotta say his his America first banking strategy, as far as a rehabilitation of the the Rust Belt, the the, the destroyed factories that used to produce cars in Philadelphia, Detroit, that has to be rehabilitated. His approach was a pretty good one. Uh, to retool the machine tool sector which is the 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 life the life force of an economy is you need to have a machine tool sector that so how do you make machines that make things right it if you don't have that you don't have sovereignty so to do that requires protectionism you need to utilize the right to a protective tariff which is what was done when nafta was was reorganized and the right of nations to use protectionism was brought back into play in 2019 Uh, Or eighteen. That's good. That's good to do that. We need to protect our local agro-industrial base. We need to increase food production and abundance. Um, Get rid of, you know, things that are useless energy like windmills, solar panels. You're going to destroy your society physically if you if you make yourself dependent on those types of crap energy um, systems. You need, at the very least, oil and natural gas. But you really want to go towards, um, like, a lot more. A lot more natural gas. Use the resources that are that are there in Alaska, that are all over the United States. Use the resources that you have to create abundant cheap energy for yourself and an export market. And at the same time, go for nuclear. Like And Trump had a big pro-nuclear policy as well to bring heavy nuclear uh, reactors online with a look towards fusion. That's what China and Russia are currently doing right now heavily. Um, anybody is, who is, cares about the future, is, Bangladesh. Is fusion is
1: different from just yeah. the... Uh, the classic nuclear, like they have in France, is there? Is there an upgrade when you say fusion? Oh yeah. See, I don't know that. Yeah. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Oh. The 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 hmm. density of energy. So with fission, you're taking heavy huh. heavy atom uh, atoms on the periodic table, like uranium or fissile thorium, um, and and letting them, and because they're fissile, what's happening is that there is decay resulting in some of their mass breaking off, and uh, as that happens emissions of energy in the form of beta or alpha decay or gamma radiation is being emitted hmm. which if harnessed um can be applied to to create heat it gets very hot and that heat can boil water run turbines make electrons move apply those electrons to do things um for residential or industrial needs and um and all of those heavy atoms Um, Are slowly transforming along um, a chain reaction. It's called nuclear transformation, becoming lead, which is very, very that that has very low. We don't even. It's so subtle we can't even see the radioactive decay. I don't think there. There probably is on some very low level, but we can't see it. So all of there's like four um, um, chains where the heavy atoms that are fissile become other things through about fourteen or fifteen transformations and then become lead. And stop the F- fusion is a little is very different because it involves taking the lighter elements like um, usually the most successful approaches involve um, helium three or deuterium, which are isotopes of either helium or uh, hydrogen that have like one more proton on them, giving them a bit of a charge and they can be induced usually within plasmas. But there's also different forms of laser technology, but plasmas seem to be the most promising you can organize plasmas that have very—it's like the fourth state of matter. So plasma—you hmm. got liquid, solid, uh, gas, and then right? So water—water water can be ice. You heat up the water, then it becomes liquid. You keep heating up the liquid, it becomes gas. You keep heating up the gas, and it becomes—you—you start—it the, 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 starts vibrating the the atoms to the point that electrons fly off of the gas, um, whatever gas it is. Uh, those particles and and because the electrons usually will balance out the pr- the positive and neg- negative charges will balance each other out in most states when the electrons fly off because it's so hot they're vibrating so much it becomes positively charged the gas and that then usually emits energy right mm-hmm. so you have like light emissions from neon or other things um in you know we have that's like you know neon lights things like that are usually a gas light that has an electric charge that's a form of plasma But you can get really hot plasmas as well the ionosphere around the earth it's like you know between 60 kilometers to 160 kilometers it's a big big sphere is ionosphere it's a it's a it's a a, electrified gas it can get really hot and in that what we have found in these plasmas most of the universe is plasma it's not matter it's not dark energy that's garbage it's plasma Plasma. um what you find, it's like Birkeland currents as well. You find that there's a space for geometrical motion of electricity, but also geometric objects like vortices, you usually will end up form, it's like a, a form of fluid dynamics. Um, solitons, these hyper-organized states of, will just appear inside of plasmas that are perfect spheres. They call them, again, solitons. Um, very interesting geometries. And what you can do if you're if you're thinking like da Vinci, who's, you know, da Vinci is somebody who's looking at at Hydrofluid dynamics and the geometries of fluid in motion that creates um, different forms of waves, spirals. You know, you could use ideas of shock waves to to focus currents in a plasma at in a certain way. Often using the help of, like, let's say, um, sometimes different um, microwave radiation and wavelengths can help organize a plasma in a in a certain desired geometry that creates a focal point, whereby. Uh, it becomes very conducive for the, the, for uh, two different, let's say, a, a deuterium and a, a helium-3 atom to fuse together, right? Becoming a, new, a heavier element, and, and now that heavier element is a little bit smaller in mass than the sum total of the two elements that fuse together. So each each of the two elements had a certain mass, which when they fuse and become the heavier element, that little mass has disappeared. But that little mass has become a lot of energy much more that and that matter energy transformation is of a much greater power than what you get with fission of uranium breaking down and having some of its mass disappear into energy that's a much lower magnitude than than fusion so the, the 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 problem and the challenge for current and future scientists has been now how to you we do it we know it can be done unfortunately it's mostly been done um in its most destructive way in the form of hydrogen bombs in the in the 50s but how do you take this immense amount of power and apply it in an organized way for civilian use to to do good things um and that's that's where you got a lot of very fun creative problem solving underway right now that involves you know you could green deserts with this you could do so you could desalinate massive ocean water for you know human and and nature's needs you know you could green california easily with this sort of thing. And China's um, really on oh, top of so this
1: to uh, this fission fusion stuff. China.
2: Yeah, f- fission and fusion are both the best, but fusion would be the the yeah. the, the, the real like trophy. Is there and, less and, you know, downsides China's-
1: with poisons or toxicity mm-hmm. and waste with the fusion about the same?
2: Oh yeah, there's no there's no radioactive waste. Wow. The only waste from a fusion reaction is water. Wow. No radioactive waste. Wow. but even there there's a bit of um, um uh, a scarecrow that's been built up because even for for typical conventional fission reactors that do create um, nuclear waste which which we've been typically burying underground for uh, for the past 50 60 years, yeah you don't have to bury it. Um, there's actually advanced technology that's been withheld. India India is going forward with this with fast breeder reactors. Which involve taking the the so called waste product, which is still radioactive, and because it's still radioactive, it means it's still useful. You could just re- reuse it, but it, it just means you have to process some of that that so called waste in a using a certain technique. And the fast breeder reactors are a great solution to that. And then you just simply reuse it again, and then you reuse it again, and then you reuse it again. And each time, there's maybe a little bit, maybe a fraction of what we consider today waste is is uh maybe not usable but then there's medical isotopes you could use for all sorts of diagnostics for uh tumors and other things there's there's a lot of use for medical isotopes as well or or um industrial use if you want to you know in in industry if you want to uh engage in certain forms of transmutation of elements um that would have a role to play in the future as well also i would say things like the plasma torch that's so number 1 a lot of the things that make us afraid of nuclear power the old school nuclear power are irrationally put into our heads using a lot of social engineering that have that have been deployed to scare us over decades and decades of showing images in hollywood movies of chernobyl and sure. um, yeah. three mile island and mutant fish and homer simpson and you know <laughs> montgomery burns so a lot of the, there's been a lot of conscious uh, predictive programming to turn us off of of nuclear. the idea of nuclear yeah. um, as part, and this has all been done by the Malthusian elite that, that want us to be addicted to oil, natural gas, and ultimately um, windmills, windmills as um, a, a restoration of feudal energy systems. Because I mean, the last time we were doing windmills was in the Middle Ages. <laughs> yeah. That's not that's, not, that's not the energy of the future. Well, speak, it's the energy, the energy yeah. of the past.
1: Speaking of that, before we go, yeah. I, we got to talk about the Green yeah. New Deal thing. So um, there's a tremendous amount of force, as you know, on all levels from city councils in Austin to, you know, the Agenda 21 people all over this country pushing this Green New Deal thing and uh, just, you know, from cow farts to everything. Do you, how far do you think they're going to be able to take this? Do you think there's going to be enough people that'll buy into it, Matthew, that it'll, it'll take a foothold, this whole thing, you know?
2: Mm, no, I. I mean... I- the the, the, the the death cultists trying to push this down our throats, yeah. they kinda wanna kill us. So that that's a, that's something that I that's think more and more people are waking up to. Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. So um to what degree in a in a society which still has democratic habits and institutions, which are still there, they haven't been able to strip all of that away yet, um, can you permit people will people accept um being told to drink poison which is effectively what green new deal energy systems are it's it's you're being told to drink poison yeah um i think that there is ultimately a a, an an asymptotic limit beyond which people won't um accept so you know you can only push them to this 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 sort of ceiling or, or push them underwater and tell them to breathe breathe water for so long before they they um reflexively force themselves up and out of the water to breathe oxygen, so um i don 't think that they can get this without the consent of the governed, and i don 't think the gov the governed are necessarily going to consent to this at a certain point. what that threshold breaking point is i don't know exactly we've we've tolerated quite a bit <clears throat> that has surprised me how much we 've tolerated, especially since twenty twenty and the <laughs> lockdowns began <clears throat> um so maybe we'll tolerate more self harm than I, I thought we were going to, but I th- I still think that at a certain point, um, whether yeah people will resist, and uh, for that sense, I think that um, a coalition of the Bobby Kennedy Jr. better Democrats and the the Trump MAGA better Republicans need to co- have a convergence, um, and get the best of the American patriots right now from all walks, despite their differences, to start um organizing politically on a on a much higher level than they are and, and a, a lot of people who who have who have gone sort of i think demoralized and uh cut themselves off saying like i'm just going to worry about myself and my little mini mini um micro community right. and forget about the whole I, I think people need to shake shake that off now because you're we're falling into the very trap that those who want to divide and conquer us want us to be in that mind state Instead of organizing town halls, you know, educating ourselves and politically moving on uh, state, municipal and federal, especially levels. We I think that fight has to be uh, a focus.
1: The RFK uh, uh, announcement about it running. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? I like the guy. I mean, he seems like a good guy. Yeah. You know, he seems like a
2: good guy. Yeah, I think he's, he needs to be uh, educated on energy one on one policy because he's unfortunately stupid on. Uh, I like him, too. But he's stupid on energy. He's, he's a fan of the Green New Deal thing. He's a, fran- a oh, fan he? of the COP21, COP25, COP26 agenda. He really thinks that humankind, he believes all the global warming climate models. So Does he really, he's really needs to wake up and shake himself out of that crap
1: right?
2: Um, to be a serious player. But he's he's an authentic human being who recognizes important elements of how this dictatorship policy works, what killed his family members. He gets that. So uh, yeah, you can work with him. Y- he can be worked with.
1: hmm hmm
2: But people shouldn't be soft on him around the energy thing either. Even his supporters and friends need to, like, Mm -hmm. give him a loving smack on the head and tell him to, like, look at the the facts more seriously because he's playing into um, some bad operations there.
1: So before we go, we have a lot of Canadian listeners, and uh, we don't talk about Canada much, even though you live there. So before we go, finally, what shape are you guys in? What's the lay of the land there with Trudeau and, you know, the globalist and, and similar to here?
2: Yeah, yeah. Is it? Same, I, mean, I same deal. Canada isn't a bad place. place. Canada isn't a very bad place right now. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of a little bit of resistance in Alberta. Mm-hmm. A little bit of resistance in Saskatchewan on a state on a provincial level. Um, I'm not seeing too much. I don't see anybody paralleling the type of. Um, Potential leadership exhibited by a Bobby Kennedy jr. Or uh, or, uh, even Trump. I think he's still a viable uh, fighter despite his his failings. I think he's viable and I think both of them would would do well to converge their support base in in an organized fashion with a geopolitical a global outlook towards um, you know putting out the fires of war with Russia and China which are the biggest moment for the moment existential threats to civilization as we know it Um. And then working on the banking system, having a discussion in a serious way about you know reorganizing the banks, having a like a Bretton Woods, you know, real Bretton Woods real like deal. there was in '44 yeah. to set up the the terms of a new banking system that's not death call depopulation based, but rather productivity oriented, um, with other nations invited to the to the table for two or three weeks, you know, and have an emergency conference. With, with India, with African countries, with South American, Brazil, Mexico, uh, Russia, China, everybody with the United States and, and wh- whichever European countries, not Vanderland, but actual European countries, uh, invite them all and and have a, a discussion about reality. And I think that if Trump and, uh, and uh, Bobby were to make that more of a focused component of their campaigns, I think that we could see a much more viable political fight in the U.S. that could put out the fires without that i don't know
1: yeah i don't know um
2: yeah canada and yeah canada is just being a bitch right now i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna hold i'm gonna withhold (laughs) i don't want to say any curse words again on your (laughs) on your show i don't
1: say any bad words about (laughs) poor old canada okay well matthew it's always it's always fun having you on thank you it was the fascinating story when we kicked it off folks if you're just joining us go back and you'll listen to the podcast we'll put up today and also on BitChute about China and how that whole thing happened. That was really amazing. It was like, whoa, boy. You know, some of the you know, old- People could go, if they want to oh, really yeah. know about
2: that. Yeah, yeah. I wrote a book called uh, Breaking Free of Anti-China PsyOps with my wife that is 80 pages going through all of that history oh. of George Soros getting kicked out of China, all of that stuff. Breaking Free of Anti-China PsyOps. It's on CanadianPatriot.org. People could pick up a PDF for ten bucks, or get the hard copy for twenty, and read it. Uh, you'll enjoy it. Can
1: they, uh, breaking, Also, all my books. Breaking uh, free of, of of what again? What's the whole title? Breaking, breaking
2: free of anti-China psyops. Wow. Uh, part one. There's going to be part two coming out next month, and also uh, Clash of the Two Americas, volume one to four are all available as well uh, that go through a lot of this deep history and geopolitical analysis in a lot of detail. Um, so th- those books are all available on Canadianpatriot.org.
1: And how many books do you have total little ones, small ones so far uh, books,
2: books eight. Um, oh. My wife just put out her first book too on the Anglo American roots of fascism uh, <laughs> going back to the 19th century. Um, and then we have these special reports as well to just help, um tune tune people and focus people on the real nature of the beast and 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 psyops how that's how that's how well, that works.
1: You're one of my favorite really historian geeks, Matthew, you're just really a, a trip. I you, I don't know how you remember uh, thanks, all, man. I don't know how you remember all this stuff. <laughs> I just have no idea. Uh, you must get your good fats uh, right for the brain, right Good fats for the brain. All right, good fats of, for the
2: brain. Yeah, yeah. take good, care good, of yourself Can,
1: Canadianpatriot.org. Matthew again. Thanks for spending so much time with us, and you have a good day up there. Take care of yourself. Stay out of trouble, brother. Okay. Always a pleasure. You too. Thank Take you, care. Brad, Patrick. Patrick Timpone, One Radio Network dot com, with Matthew Errett. What a trip! Huh? I mean, wow, man. Take you down memory lane, and as uh, who is it? Um, who is the? Uh, who was the fellow that said? Um, oh, Huey P. Long. Yeah, Huey P. Long. Um, Said the only thing new in this world is the history we don't know. You listen to a fellow like Matthew for a couple hours and some of the history, and it's like, man, do we know? Do we have the truth about anything when it comes? Anything? 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 I don't know. It's all cattywampus. It's all upside down. Thank you for your ongoing support. We appreciate it. We're getting some more 10 and $20 a month uh, dealies in. If you'd like to do that, we could. We would appreciate it. We're going to need to up our game as far as donations because for many reasons of, I don't know, inflation or people holding more onto their money because they're concerned and our, our sales of the products have just really gone down over the last six months. We've, our numbers have been steady and we've been uh, growing nicely as far as our listenership, but sales have just are just not you know just not where they were a year ago. And we have you know expenses that we need to cover. So if you'd like to uh, donate and kind of exchange uh, a few bucks a month for what you uh, believe all of our content is worth, we do a show almost every day, except Thursday and then uh, 15 years of archives, everything is free. So if you want to donate, that'd be great. And just do the Donate tab and you can sign up 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month. Cool. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow. We are going to have Adam. Adam Bergstrom. And we're going to ask Adam to come on early because I believe we're going to need to start um, 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 Martin Armstrong. Martin Armstrong. At 11. I think that's the only time we can get them. Let me see. Oh, I think we just got confirmation. <clears throat> well, we'll let you know, but because uh, we wanted to get them on. There's a lot of fun stuff to talk to and talk about. Okay, so that'll be tomorrow. Adam Bergstrom and Martin Armstrong. Let me know if I can help with anything. Email patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Thank you. I love you all. May the blessings be. Know the Source on One Radio Network.